We're going to continue today in this series we've been in called The Spirit of Jesus. And if you're new with us today, we've been talking about how uh, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, Acts chapter 16, verse 7 says. And so to honor the presence and gifts of the Holy Spirit is to honor Jesus. Um, And so the Word tells us that we are to uh, eagerly desire and pursue the spiritual gifts. That means to burn with zeal and passion for the gifts of God, the Holy Spirit, to desire earnestly, to strive after, to busy oneself about, to exert oneself for. This is how we're to go after the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we fail to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit or to ignore them, uh, it is to dishonor not only Jesus, but it's also to dishonor the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells us, do not quench the Spirit Do not grieve the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. And so um, that's just scripture's way of saying, man, we really need to be about these spiritual gifts. And probably going to talk next week, Lord willing, about why the spiritual gifts are so important. They are part of how the body is built up. Uh, It's how we experience the fullness of of God. And that's what I hopefully that's what I want to talk about next week and I feel like that's the Lord. So, Lord willing, we'll talk about the fullness of God, experiencing the fullness of God uh, together as a church family. Today though, I want to talk about uh, a particular spiritual gift. You might call it the most controversial spiritual gift in our world today. Um, And I'm excited to talk about it because it is a gift that um, the Lord has uh, given me lately uh, about seven months ago. And so I've been using it quite a bit since then. And it is the gift of speaking in tongues. And so I'm really excited to talk about this today. And as I've said, it it has been such a controversial topic. Um, You know, we've seen churches divide over this topic, which I think just grieves the Lord's heart. And I really hope today to not only explain what speaking in tongues is and why it is so beneficial and important. I want to talk about the uses of speaking in tongues. But I hope uh, that the Lord restores the honor and the beauty of this gift to his body. And that is what he wants to do, not only in our church family, I think he wants to do that in every church family. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit's not divided, right? It's the same Holy Spirit, and and he wants to move uh, in his church, and he wants all of his churches to be operating in all the spiritual gifts. Again, I'll probably talk about that next week. Um, and so, uh, earlier, earlier this year, uh, I received the gift of speaking in tongues, or the what, I, what you might call my, my personal prayer language in, in tongues. And so before that, um, I did not grow up in a church that was into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So I didn't, I didn't really have any experience with it uh, growing up. And then when I came back to faith after a, a rebellious season, I started having Holy Spirit experiences, you know, hearing the voice of the Lord and having prophetic dreams and whatnot. And then I had, over the years, I had a few, like, what I would call prophetic words in tongues, little phrases that people would interpret, and like, oh, that's encouraging, that's awesome. But I didn't have, like, this flowing prayer language thing that you can start and stop, turn on, turn off whenever you want, you know, that type of thing. And that's, that's part of what the gift of tongues is for. 
And so um, about seven months ago, I, I, I've told this story a few times, uh, but I went to a conference by a Global Awakening, who they're all about the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, training, equipping, empowering people in that, by, uh, led by Dr. Randy Clark, who's from you know the vineyard. Actually, he was a Baptist guy. Then he uh, became a vineyard guy. Um, and so he leads that ministry and been doing that for several decades um, and so we were at this conference, and, you know, I got prayed over. The Lord, he was preaching on impartation, which is very simply the laying on of hands in prayer to receive the baptism or filling of the Holy Spirit. He was preaching on that, and then they were going to do it right after. And as he's preaching, I'm listening to this message, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he said two things. He said, Aaron, you're about to receive a double portion. I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but sounds good, sounds positive, all right? And then later on, he said, uh, you've spoken in tongues a little bit, but you're about to have a whole river flowing out of you. And I was like, again, don't know what that is referring to, but okay. And so he gets to the prayer time, and their team starts praying over people, and they ask people to come up front if you were really feeling the presence of the Lord, which I was. So I went up front, and he prayed over me, and uh, I started feeling the conviction, the holiness of God. I think that's the fire part of uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's feeling, uh, you know, Isaiah 6 type moment. God is high and lifted up, holy. I am not. You know, he's so worthy. I go back to my seat. I'm just like, woo, really feeling the Lord. Starting to tremble in his presence, you know, really sensing his presence. And they start walking around the room praying for people. And they actually came to the side of the room I was on. I went back to my seat. He prays over me again. And he just said one simple little phrase the second time. More, Lord. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> and I felt more. You know, I was like, wow, that's, this is interesting. And I'd never had this type of experience before. I was like, wow. And so I'm just really sensing the Lord's presence. And they move on. They're praying over other people. I look up. I see my wife getting prayer. And I walk up to my wife. And I, I was like, I'm going to go pray over my wife. I'm going to go just pray for her. I was not, by the way, I was not seeking, like, come on, zap me, Lord. You know, I was not like, give me the gift of tongues today. I was nowhere near in that headspace. I was just like, Lord, give me what you want to give me today. I just, I just want to be in your presence, you know, and receive whatever you want to give me today, Lord. So I walk up. I'm not even thinking about tongues. I'm thinking about praying for my wife. And I put my hand on her, and there's a few of our team members standing around her. And I, I went to pray for her, and I had words in English in my head. And I went, and boom, the, the dam burst. And a whole other language came out. And it surprised me. And uh, there was three of our team standing around, and my wife, and my wife's the one getting prayer. She's standing there like this, and all of them go, like, what is that? Because they all knew, like, never heard you do that before. And I'm looking at them, and I was confused. I was like, what is happening? You know, in Acts 2, when it says amazed and perplexed, they were like, what does this mean? I was going, like, like, what does this mean, right? And uh, it, was, it was incredible. And so I've told that, some of that story before. And that experience, I, I kind of shook and spoke in tongues for about seven days, um, which was pretty intense. Uh, it, was, it was a very intense. And, and if you're new to church, new to God, not all baptisms, feelings of the Spirit are that intense. All right? So just to kind of uh, give you some peace. All right? Um, so if we ever do to impartation or feeling of the Spirit, you don't need to fear what the Lord wants to do. He did tell me this is to drive out unbelief. Um, that's why it was going to last so long. Because uh, if you have a little experience that lasts three seconds, you might leave and be like, maybe that was the pizza I ate last night, you know? And uh, there was, th- this was undeniable, all right? Undeniable, okay? Um, when, you, when you are speaking in tongues in your sleep through the night, 
and your wife, you wake your wife up several times, when you wake up speaking in tongues, which I still often do, uh, <laughs> you just know it's God, right? Okay, it's undeniable. Had this experience. One of the things that happened uh, the next day, I was at that conference at lunchtime, and the Lord told me to prophesy over our team uh, during the lunch break. And I began to, to open my mouth. And what happened was, I didn't really know what was going to happen. He just told me to prophesy. And I was like, okay. And he gave me this one little phrase. And I started. And what happened was, for about the next hour, I spoke in tongues. And I would speak a phrase in tongues. And then I, would, I was interpreting my own tongues. And the interpretation in English was, were prophetic words. And they were uh, revelation into scripture. Uh, and, and I was speaking things that I had never studied before. And as it was flying out of my mouth, I was thinking, I need to write this down. These would make great sermons. Like, this is amazing. And uh, I was blown away. And it's hard to explain, uh, you know, while that's happening, because the Holy Spirit's really doing it through you, your mind can kind of be thinking other things. (laughs) And uh, what happened at one point, one of the things I said that I remember saying is, and I was like proclaiming it loud. I was like, this is what happened in the book of Acts. And, I, and I, every, every sentence I said in English, there was a tongues sentence first, and then there was a sentence in English, right? And so I said a tongue sentence, and then I was like, this is what happened in the book of Acts. And yada, 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 you know, then they spoke in tongues and prophesied. In other words, they spoke in tongues, but when they prophesied in the understood language, they were interpreting their own tongues. And I knew that that's what was meant by what I was saying, but I'd never heard that before. I'd never experienced that before. I'd never heard anyone do that before. Um, I'd been around people speaking in tongues, but I'd never really even heard someone give an interpretation of tongues. Um, Maybe just a few times in little tiny phrases, and it was always someone else giving the interpretation, not the person speaking in tongues. And so as I'm saying this, and I'm just being carried along by the Holy Spirit, right? And as I'm saying this, my mind is thinking, that sounds cool. That's nice. Wow. Is this biblical? Right? That's what I was thinking. Is this really what happened in the book of Acts? Can someone who's speaking in tongues interpret their own tongues and give their interpretation? I was thinking that while I was doing it, right? It was, it was really, really an interesting experience. And so I came back home. And of course, after that point, uh, the Lord let me know, you know, this is a gift. You're going to be able to use it from now on. You're not going to lose it, you know. You can turn it on, turn it off, use it when you want, not use it when you want, right? And it was really awesome. And I dove into studying speaking in tongues because I wanted to learn about this gift I had just been given. I read several books on it. I watched several different sermons by different people on this subject. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of interesting verses in Scripture. There, There are some disturbing verses in Scripture. There are some verses in scripture that are just flat out weird, right? And until you have a context for those verses, you can read them and you kind of go, hmm, that's weird. Oh, well, and you just kind of glaze over it. Anybody ever do that? Like, like Genesis 6. Oh, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And the sons of God mated with the, the women, you know, and they had, they had kids. Angels had kids with women, right? You, just, you guys read that, right? But you just go, huh? And you just like, okay. And you just like move on, right? Well, as I get back and I begin reading scripture, (laughs) I'm like, I want to know about this gift of speaking in tongues. And I read 1 Corinthians 14. And it just lights up in a whole different way. When you have different experience, you have a different context. I come across verse 13, 1 Corinthians 14, 13. For this reason, the apostle Paul writes, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray 
that they may interpret what they say. And I went, oh, my goodness. There it is right there in scripture. Apparently, a person speaking in tongues, if they pray about it, right, God can give them the interpretation of their own tongues. And I was like, wow, that's what happened to me. Only I didn't have to pray because it was so, such a powerful uh, experience that it was just, it was just happening, right, in, on the fly. And so I was like, wow, that, that is fascinating. And I wanted to find out more about this gift. And, man, I've had some, some crazy experiences while praying in tongues. I've been doing it pretty much every day as part of my prayer time. And it's fascinating. It's awesome. And, um, man, I, just, I, I hope to restore the honor and beauty of this gift to the body of Christ um, and, uh, and I want to dive into 1 Corinthians um, 14, because there, there's several passages of Scripture in the book of Acts about them speaking in tongues, and it describes what that was like. Paul writes 1 Corinthians 14 much later, and he's kind of explaining what tongues is and, and the use, the purpose and the function of this gift after the church has experienced it for a while, and uh, he's kind of got his bearings around it, right? Um, I want to I explain this. When, when it comes to Bible interpretation, um, there are some rules that are very important. The, perhaps the number one rule in Bible interpretation is context is king. Okay, The context of a passage matters. Um, why the person wrote uh, what is written. You know, and the, the cultural context, but also the context of the other verses surrounding it. That's one of the, if not the number one rule in interpreting Scripture. Another rule in interpreting Scripture is you don't just take one verse and pull it out of context and then create a whole theology around one verse. If there are many other passages that speak to this topic or a particular topic, um, you need to study the full word of God to get a well-rounded or comprehensive view on a particular subject. And so uh, when it comes to tongues, you don't want to just pull one verse and say, this is what tongues is, or this is how it should be used. Or unfortunately, what happens in American culture a lot, hey, here, there's this one verse, and if there's no interpretation, don't do it. And I don't know about you, but in a, well, let me explain it this way. So what's the context? And I want to give you the context of 1 Corinthians 14 before we read through it. Because what you'll find is when it comes to tongues, speaking in tongues, the connotation in 1 Corinthians 14 is very is kind of negative. Like there's kind of this negative. He's, it, it, this is kind of the, 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 the gist that you get when you read. Through. Like tongues is, is good, but man, prophecy is way better. You know, he's kind of downplaying tongues. And it's kind of this negative connotation over this chapter. Now you have to understand the context of why that is. The Corinthian church were not just, they were, they were the most charismatic church in scripture that we know of. Okay, They weren't just charismatic. Charismatic means operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, all the early churches did. But they weren't just charismatic. They were what we would call charismaniacs. All right? They were crazy town, right? They, they were in excess use of a lot of the gifts, but especially this gift of speaking in tongues. And they were, they, they were out of order and, and out of sorts. They had a lot of immorality. There was a lack of maturity. There was probably not very good leadership in this church. I'm not kidding you. They would take communion together, like at church, what we would call being at church. And there were people getting drunk on the communion wine. 
And that's part of the letter. Paul's like, hey, stop it. <laughs> like, stop doing that. There's, a form of, there's forms of sexual morality among this Corinthian church that aren't even among the pagans, right? And he's like, a man is sleeping with his own mother-in-law. Like, what in the world are you guys doing? Like, you need to get it in order. And he's like rebuking them. And then you get to chapter 14, and what you realize is most of them, if not all of them, were speaking in tongues, and they so enjoyed this gift that apparently when they were getting together, that's all they were doing, you know? You know? I should have bought a Honda, but I buy a Kia, right? Like the whole time. And uh, that was not real tongues. That was me using, okay, all right. And so anyways, they were doing that the whole time. You know, all of them, just woo. And and as you read through 14, you realize, because he says, listen, listen, stop doing this so much. And two or three prophets should speak. Prophesying was synonymous with preaching. He's saying, you're not even preaching the gospel. And you guys are so out of order. There's so much immorality. You don't even know how to take communion right. People are getting drunk at communion at church. Like, you guys need a lot more preaching and teaching. And so you need to stop doing this so much. You're in excess use of the gift of tongues. And, 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 and as, when you realize that, here's, here's the cultural context in the scriptural context of chapter 14. They were in excess use of this gift. Let me ask you a question. Does our church or even the American church at large have that problem with the gift of tongues? No, we do not. We have an opposite problem. The gift is absent. So that should affect how we read 1 Corinthians 14. And I would say it this way. All of his exhortations about limiting the gift of tongues in the church and in public and all these things. I don't think we as a body or the American church at large needs to hear those verses so much in chapter 14. As we do all the positive verses that he says about why tongues is good and and and. and affirming this gift and so we're going to walk through we want we want to have all the verses because we want to have the correct understanding of its purpose and use but I want you to understand that's the context and so he's trying to limit the excess but we have atrophy we have absence and so it affects how we read this passage okay so with that let's dive in and we're going to walk through uh kind of walk through 1 Corinthians 14 and talk about the gift of speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1 and 2. He says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So again, this chapter is going to be like, hey, you need to tone this down. I'm going to talk about prophecy and kind of lift it up because you guys, this church, valued tongues so much, right? Especially prophecy. So, But he gives all these clues and he explains what tongues is. So verse 2, 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. It's interesting. What's it called when we talk to God? Prayer. So anyone who speaks in a tongue does not, you're not talking to people, you're talking to to God. And so speaking in tongues is often how it's phrased in scripture, but that's why you hear a lot of people in our day and age in English uh, use a synonymous phrase, praying in tongues. Okay, and so he says, we're we're not talking to people, we're talking to God when we speak in tongues. Indeed, listen, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. 
That's a very important phrase. When you're speaking in tongues, you're, you're, it's actually a form of prayer, and you're uttering mysteries, because it's a mystery to you, but you're uttering them, and this is very important, by the Holy Spirit. So what is speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is when someone speaks in another language that is unknown to them, and they do it by the Holy Spirit. Another way to say it, the Holy Spirit is praying, praising, or prophesying through a person in a language that person doesn't know. Now, I just think, isn't that cool? (laughs) Isn't that cool? I don't think you guys think it's as cool as I think it is. Maybe one day you will. There are two types of tongues and two functions of tongues. Um, there's, in 1 Corinthians 12, he calls it the gift of diverse kinds of tongues or various kinds of tongues. There's different kinds. There's different types, right? Um, there are, when people speak in tongues, sometimes they speak in languages on the earth that they don't know. Like, the, oh, I'm speaking in German. And it's, it's real German, but I don't know German. It's just a supernatural, miraculous thing that's happening. I'm speaking German. Sometimes it's that. So it's a known language on the earth, but it's unknown to them. Other times, people are speaking in what we believe is an angelic language. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, and most scholars believe he's referring to the gift of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues of men or angels, right? But don't have love. I'm, I'm just making noise, right? And so you're, there's a couple different uh, types of languages, um, but then there's different functions. And there's two main functions or purposes of tongues. One is a public function, uh, and one is a personal or private function, right? The public function is what we would call a prophetic word in tongues, So that is when you're in church or you're maybe in a small group or you're with other believers, right? And somebody, the Holy Spirit comes on someone and they start speaking in tongues and it's actually a prophetic word for another person there or for the group or the the church at large and someone else gives an interpretation and everyone realizes this is a prophetic word, right? Um, There's actually a lady that goes to church here named Elaine. And when we were talking about speaking in tongues several months ago, um, she came up and, and we were talking about the different types and whatnot. And she came up to me. It was at one of the first Friday services. And she came up to me and said, um, I need to tell you something. I'm like, what? And she's like, you, you know, when people speak in tongues in public, like in a, with an interpretation, it's a prophetic word. It's not just praying to God. It's a prophetic word. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And she goes, I was saved by a public prophetic word in tongues. She said, years ago, I was sitting in church, and, you know, I was not living a very good life, and I went to church this one week, and during the service, somebody stood up and gave a word in tongues, and someone else, you know, the pastor was kind of like, do we have an interpretation, you know? Somebody gave an interpretation, and the interpretation was a very specific prophetic word about her life. They're like, there's someone here, and this is how you're living, and they went down all these things, and she was just like, oh, that's me, and by the time they got done, she's like, God is real. And I'm going to give my life to Christ. And she got saved that day. Um, And so what what happened there, right? Somebody gave a word in tongues, and the interpretation was like a prophetic word of knowledge about her. And as Paul says later on in this chapter, if people come in and you're all prophesying, the secrets of your heart will be laid bare, and that unbeliever will fall down and say, God is really among you. And so 
you can, that can, prophetic words can happen through tongues. That's pretty cool. Paul says, if you have uh, prophetic words in tongues, um, not only one person could do that in a given service, you might have two or three people do that. Every single Sunday, every single service, you could have two or three people give words in tongues if there's interpretations because it edifies everyone in the room when uh, there's prophetic words given in that way. And so, again, it starts to, this, this is how the American church at large views chapter 14. Hey, there better be an interpretation. If there's not, you better be quiet. And I better never hear you do it. And if you do it, I'm going to be the tongues police. And I'm going to be like, interpretation? Do you have an interpretation? Shame, shame, shame. And be quiet. Don't ever do it again. That's how a lot of churches view tongues. Now, here's a question for you. How are you going to know if there's an interpretation unless you let people do it? Isn't that interesting? And so perhaps we have a misunderstanding. I think it's because a culture where it is absent is trying to apply guidelines for a culture that was in excess. I think that's the problem. And so we need to reread this passage with a different context and a different understanding. And so there's public prophetic words. And that's why he says, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, for this reason, because in public, if you're praying in tongues, and we'll get to this in a minute, but for the person that is praying in tongues, it's hard to explain unless you do it, but you, you just feel real close to God. You sense the Lord's presence. Because I'm telling you this, and if you've ever heard of this gift or maybe heard someone do it, you're like, that's gibberish. Oh, they're just making that up. Some people might do that because of the abuses of this gift or, or the ways that some churches view the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and for what I mean by that is classic Pentecostalism, um, which really came out of the Zusa Street Revival in 1906. And by the way, many, many groups and people were speaking in tongues. Christians were speaking in tongues way prior to 1906. But the 1906 revival in L.A. Uh, kind of, it was just a big revival. And then the denomination of Pentecostalism formed out of that. And so modern Pentecostalism, uh, they believe if you don't speak in tongues, you haven't really been filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Right, And so you, when you, the moment you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit in you. You're saved, right? You're new creation. You're reborn. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, is a different experience. Now, it can happen at the same time, right? And so they would believe that. And what that has created in Pentecostalism, and I've talked to a lot of uh, people who've, who've experienced the negative side of this, there's this pressure to speak in tongues to kind of prove that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I had a friend up in Michigan who tragically was at a church like that. And he gets, the day he gets saved, they're like, awesome. Now we're going to pray you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they put him on a stool in front of the church. And they're like, okay, go ahead and speak in tongues. And he's like, Ugh. and he's a little kid. He was like 10 years old in front of a whole church. He's like, it's not happening. I can't do it. And so he's like, I'll be honest with you. I just made stuff up. I did the gibberish thing. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're getting it. All right, all right, all right, good job, buddy. And that's traumatic, that messes with people. That, that creates a jadedness and a cynicism in the people that it happens to. And then guess what? They tell that story. And then a whole lot of other people go, yeah, that's not a thing. Ah, that's a bunch of malarkey, you know? And uh, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, that happens. Um, I do want to clarify our position and our stance, our theology on the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. 
Um, and I could tell you some pretty radical stories about people who've experienced that. Like people who fall out, have visions of Jesus, get up, are on fire, you know, memorize the Bible and want to go, you know, be a prophet to the nations. It's like, if you didn't get filled with the Spirit, I don't know who did, and they never spoke in tongues. Are you tracking with me? And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, do all speak in tongues? And the implication is no. And so um, that's our position on that. Now, uh, I hope by the end of this message, you'll want to speak in tongues. You'll want to pray in tongues because I'm telling you, I think, I think when here's, here's, I want to clarify that, but it is an authentic thing. And I'm here as a witness to tell you, if you've ever questioned this, if, if I stopped and it's weird to just like do it to like show people, look, I can do it. Cause it is like a, it, you're engaging the Holy spirit to pray through you. So it's weird to like, watch me do it. Right. Um, but I could do that right now if I wanted to, and I could not do that before March. Like, if I were to, like, I'm going to pray in tongues and make up gibberish, it would have been gibberish. Like, that was not speaking in tongues, all right? That was Aaron going, watch me, ba 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 ba. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the gibberish thing, right? <laughs> if I were to pray in tongues right now, it would be different. And, it, and I'm just telling you, I, know, I, I don't care what you all think. I know that. I have a supernatural ability, and I know it's not me, that I could not do prior to March. And so when I do it, it every day, it's kind of this fresh, like, God is real. <laughs> he's, he's speaking through me right now. That's wild. What do you think that does to my faith? God's real. Man, it kind of builds up my faith. It's pretty awesome. And when the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Spirit, man, you get dreams, you get visions, you get prophetic words. So when you pray in tongues, the Spirit, the more you pray in tongues, you know, you pray in tongues 5, 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, and that Spirit just gets flowing. You get in the Spirit, as the Scriptures say, and guess what starts happening? Visions, prophetic words, and that happens many times when I'm praying in tongues on a daily basis. I, I, here lately, I've been praying in tongues and and like somebody's in our church will pop into my mind. I'm not even trying to pray for them. Boom, somebody's face pops in my mind. And then I start thinking things about them. And then I'll kind of pause and I'll pray in English for them, you know, pray with my understanding. And uh, man, it's a powerful gift. It's a really amazing thing. And so the public use or the, the public function is prophetic words. Now, there's a personal function. Um, and let's read the next few verses, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. It says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That's what I just said, right? But the one who prophesies edifies the church, meaning other people. And then he says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. And again, the whole chapter, he's trying to emphasize, y'all need to preach and teach more. So yeah, tongues is, he's like, tongues is great. Tongues is great. Tongues is great. But you need more preaching and teaching. You need more preaching and teaching, right? But again, this is to the culture of excess. I think we need to hear all these positive verses. I would like every one of you to pray in tongues. Now, he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, there it is again, so that the church, everybody, may be edified or built up. I've heard some uh, modern Christians or, or preachers say, you know, um, prophesying builds up the church, but tongues just builds up, um, you know, the individual. And so tongues doesn't build up the church. 
Again, let's, let's pause. What's Paul saying here? He's talking about building up other believers in public, right? Do things that in public build one another up. But does tongues build up the church? What is the church? Is the church a building? No, the church is what? People. And so if you get the gift of tongues and you start having the experiences that I've been talking about, praying in tongues for yourself, and you're just like, oh, God's real. Oh, I love this gift. Oh, Jesus, you're so awesome. And you're being built up. Does the gift of tongues privately build up the church? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Man, I'm just telling you, you're going to have hard spots in your life where you don't get to go to church. You're going to have attacks of the enemy and oppression from the enemy where you don't know what to do, you don't know what to pray, and it ain't Sunday. So what are you going to do? And I'm telling you, I think this is one of the reasons the Apostle Paul says later on in the chapter, he, he makes this declaration, I thank God, verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, some scholars think he's asserting his authority to limit, like, like we speak in tongues more than you, Paul, so who are you to tell us how to use this gift? He's like, uh, no, I, I speak in tongues way more than any of you, and so I, I'm going to use my authority to tell you to limit your, your use in public, right? I, he, he could be saying that, but I think the wording is said the way it is for a reason. I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. Consider that Paul experienced more spiritual warfare and persecution than any of them. And oftentimes he was completely by himself. This was Paul who he says in another place in scripture, he was five times whipped severely within an inch of his life, three times beaten with rods, three times shipwrecked, imprisoned, abandoned, spoken against. And I think there's a very good reason that he says, I'm actually thanking God I speak in tongues more than all of you because I need it. When I'm by myself, and listen, I don't know what to pray. And that other passage in Romans where it says the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Let me tell you something. That's another thing that's been happening to me since March is anytime, anytime we go to pray, I got to be careful where I pray with other people. And you can ask my wife. I'll be like, she'll be like, let's pray. And I'll be like, I don't know if I can right now. And what I mean by that is, if, we're, if you mean let's pray and we've got about three minutes, I just don't know if I can do it. Because if we start to pray, the Spirit's coming on me, I'm, I'm gonna, intercession comes on me, and it's like I need about a half an hour to work this out, and then once, once I'm praying that out, I need some time to come down from that. And uh, it's a weird experience. It's what some might call travailing prayer. And, man, a lot of the... The, the tongues will come on you in travailing prayer and you're praying in tongues and, and you're crying out and things with, there's like emotions attached and mannerisms sometimes and like, Holy Spirit, what are you praying through me right now, right? Um, I'll give you one quick example. Um, a, a few a few months ago, um, I was up here praying over people and, and uh, this man came up and he, I'd given a word of knowledge about liver and kidney issues and he came up and said, that's me. And I said, okay, and we're praying for him, praying for healing. And I just got the sense that uh, it was from alcohol abuse, which I didn't know, but um, I got that sense. And then I felt like he was struggling with um, shame, that um, I won't be healed. So it was affecting his, his faith or belief. I won't be healed because I did this to myself. 
And so I just paused and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? And I said, I have a reason and I'm not, I don't want you to feel shame over this, but is this from like alcohol, drug abuse? And he goes, yes, it is. I said, I feel like you're feeling shame because you're feeling like you won't be healed or God won't heal you because you deserve it. You did this to yourself. And he was kind of like, yeah. And I was like, okay, let me pray for you. So I start praying for him again in in English. And the Lord just kind of checks me and he says, pray in tongues. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, I guess the Holy Spirit was like, you're not, no, move, move out of the way, Aaron. Let me, let me pray for this. (laughs) Okay. So I'm like, I asked him, you know, I don't want to freak people out when I do this, but I'm like, hey, do you mind? I feel like I'm supposed to pray in tongues over you. And remember, it's prayer. And remember, it's by the Spirit. So when you pray in tongues, it's not you praying. It is actually the Holy Spirit going, let me use your voice for a minute. And, and again, it's hard to explain, but you feel that uh, when you do it. <laughs> and so uh, he goes, yeah, that's fine. And I go, okay. And I just started praying in tongues over him. And all of a sudden, these emotions came on. And it's hard to explain, but I, I did some mannerisms. And I did this uh, particular phrase over and over. And I, I don't remember what the phrase was, but, you know, it was it's like, shata, shata, shata. You know, I was doing this on his back, like on his shoulders, like, like kind of brushing three times. And then I just moved on. I kept going. And I'm like, you know, my mind's like, I don't know what this is about. Shata, shata, shata. Okay, moving on. You know, like, but I'm just going, right? And I get done praying after a few minutes. And I open my eyes. And he just looks up at me. And he's got, his eyes are big. And it, they're watering up. And I, he goes, thanks. I was like, you're welcome. And he's like, that was, that was crazy. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm just letting the Lord do what he wanted. He goes, every word that you said in, in your tongue's language, I heard in my mind in English. And he said, when you did that thing, he said, you were doing deliverance prayer over the spirit of addiction in my life. And when you did that thing, you said, break it off, break it off, break it off. And then he's like, then you went on to encourage me and you told me I'm a warrior. And he was like, you told me I'm a warrior. And you told me this and you told me that. And I'm just kind of like, hmm. And he gets done. I'm like, cool, man. Well, be encouraged, you know. But I'm sitting there going, and I told him like, well, just know, I didn't tell you that. That was Jesus telling you all of that. And I said, Jesus is breaking stuff off of you. And uh, I've witnessed a few other times where sovereign deliverance happens when you just pray in tongues. over Because God, the Holy Spirit, is praying for those people. And I want to say this. It's not gibberish. It is a language and it is prayer. <laughs> and so it is powerful. If we have a super anointed man of God come up here who speaks Spanish. And I said he's going to close us in prayer. And he prayed this powerhouse prayer in Spanish. Does God hear that prayer? Is that prayer valid? Is that prayer powerful? Oh, you better believe it, whether you understand it or not. And so praying in tongues is a very, very powerful, amazing gift. Paul says it this way, or I'm sorry, Jude, um, in the letter uh, of Jude, uh, the book of Jude, Jude 1, verses 20, 22, he says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most, in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. He's saying, guys, build, as you're waiting on Jesus to come back, build yourself up in the, in the Holy Spirit by praying in the Holy Spirit, right? Build yourself up in faith. He's talking about Use this gift and pray in tongues. It will build you up. And that is when the Bible says praying in the spirit, it is referring to praying in tongues. 
And we know that from 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. Listen to what Paul says later on in the chapter. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, right? And again, the negative connotation. He's downplaying tongues because of the excess. But hear what he says. Hear the teaching point. So what shall I do about this? Since when I pray in tongues, my mind is not understanding what's happening. What do I do about that? Do I never do it? No, he says this. I will pray in in the spirit, in my spirit, which means in tongues. But I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. He's saying, I'm going to do both. And the people that I know that speak in tongues and pray in tongues, when we get in prayer circles... Man, it's, it's, I'll be honest, for me, I'll speak for myself. It's hard to not speak in tongues sometimes. I'll be praying in English and I'll feel the spirit and it's like a few phrases want to come out in, in my prayer language. So I'll let them come out and then I'll go right back to, to English and then I'll flow back into my prayer language and then I'll flow back in English. And most of the people that pray in tongues, that's, that's kind of how it goes. I will pray in the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. And uh, man, it's just a powerful, awesome, amazing, amazing gift. And um, Paul says uh, this in, in verse 5. I think I've already read this verse. But again, I, I want every one of you to speak in tongues, uh, but I would rather have you prophesy. And again, he's, he's saying prophecy is so important as well. And I believe the Lord wants us to do both, you know. And I, want, I think he wants us to value both. He says, I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll sing in the Spirit. Now, where do you think he was praying and singing in the Spirit? Somebody said jail. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But here's my point. Do you think he meant, I'll just pray and sing in the spirit when I'm by myself? Because if there's no interpretation, I better shut up and be quiet. Let me ask you this way. When we're at church and we're in a worship moment, or we, you know, do a ministry time and we're praying, have you ever in your understanding language in English, have you ever said a prayer out loud? Like while I'm up here praying. Have you ever kind of under your breath or maybe to yourself, like as we're worshiping or if the music's loud, it's kind of loud, like, Lord, help me today, you know, and we're up here, rah, raging guitars and drums, like, help me, Jesus, you know, and you're praying. Have you ever, you ever prayed that way? Anybody? Anybody? Lots of you. Most of you. Wow, that's cool. So let me get this straight. During a worship time or during a prayer time, you thought it wasn't disorderly to also say your own prayer in English. So if tongues is prayer, during a worship time or a prayer time, if me or someone else with the gift of tongues wants to pray in our prayer language, you know, not in a way that draws attention to ourselves, but, but just, just us and God worshiping or praying, do you think that might be okay if there's no interpretation? I would say it, it would be. Because Paul's point was not to quench this gift. His point was to limit the excessive use of a crazy church, right? And to bring order to that church. Perhaps if I could ask you this way, you know, a few weeks ago for three weeks in a row, if the Lord leads me to pray in tongues over you, to just pray. And I come to the end and say, and now comes the time in the service where I'm going to pray, but I'm going to use my prayer language. Do you think that's disorderly? I don't think it is. And if you go back and watch those sermons, I also switched to English, and I was prophesying, and the Lord gave me my own interpretation. 
And so if it's that, Paul says, we, not only can I do it, but we could have two or three people do that every single Sunday. Isn't that cool? In fact, he says later on towards the end of this passage, again, another verse we don't see very often because it's written with a negative connotation to limit excess. But he says, what shall we say then? Like, what do we do about this, right? What shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? This is verses uh, 26. Each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Listen to this next one. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. And if there is no interpreter, listen, listen, listen. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and, listen, speak to himself and God. So I don't think he's saying the the speaker should keep quiet and not say it out loud even. He's saying don't do it. If it's not a public prophetic word, don't do it in a way that, draws attention to yourself, right? But we should definitely be using this gift. And God wants us to use this gift. And I just want to tell you the the heart, my heart, uh, for our church culture, and I'll talk more about this next week. We want to have a culture of the fullness of God. And I'll explain that more fully next week. But part of that is all of the gifts in operation. And I want us to have an honor and a value for this gift of speaking in tongues. I want to close uh, by just giving you a little science behind speaking in tongues. Um, and this will help some of you who maybe are a little skeptical or still, still wrestling with this topic. Back in 2006, there was a very well-known research study done at the University of Pennsylvania um, about people who spoke in tongues, Christians who spoke in tongues. And what they did is they took brain scans of people, uh, these people, while they were speaking in tongues, and then they took brain scans while they were just doing normal other stuff, like uh, singing or talking or, or just, just other random things, right? They also did brain scans of nuns while they were meditating. They also did brain scans of, um, like, Buddhist monks while they were meditating silently. Um, and they wanted to compare, like, what's going on in these religious people when they're claiming certain experiences, and what they found was pretty fascinating. They said uh, the front, frontal lobe of your brain controls all speech and motor function. So if your mouth is moving, your, your, your frontal lobe is involved, right? Motor function, focus, and speech. So when these Buddhist monks are even just silently, not saying a thing, meditating, focusing, Frontal lobe is lit up on these brain scans. When these people were just talking, you know, to one another, frontal lobe lit up on the brain scans. When they're singing in their in English, you know, their their normal language, frontal lobe is is lit up. When they're doing activities, frontal lobe is lit up. When they scanned the people as they did nothing but speak or pray in tongues, do you know what happened to that frontal lobe? It went totally dormant. In other words, it it, it didn't do anything which kind of is not possible unless something else was controlling them. And that's what, they, that's what they found. In fact, I want to read you the words of the actual head researcher, Dr. Andrew Newberg, who has a PhD, and he is, again, not a Christian. And this is what he said. He said, the amazing thing was how the images supported 
people's interpretation of what was happening, the way they describe it and what they believe is that God is talking through them. And he's saying, that's what they say. And then the findings actually support that over what, what we might think. In fact, he went on to say this, these findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of self being taken over by something else. Now he's trying to wrestle with it and reason it to himself. And he said this, we scientifically assume it's being taken over by another part of the brain, but we couldn't see in this study where that was taking place. It's interesting. New York Times article on this study said this, the passionate, sometimes rhythmic language-like patter that pours forth from religious people who speak in tongues reflects a state of mental possession. Yes, Lord, please. Many of them say, now they have some neuroscience to back them up. Another quote from the same article referenced two other studies done on the same subject. And it said this, contrary to what me... Listen, American people, and if you're skeptical about all this, you need to hear this right here. Contrary to what may be a common perception, other studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely suffer from mental problems. A recent, another recent study of nearly a thousand evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those who did not. In a 2011 report, another report, we're talking the fourth scientific study now on this subject by Dr. Christopher Lynn found that speaking in tongues may actually reduce biological stress as indicated by the examining two biomarkers of stress cortisol and alpha amylase. Four studies all saying the same thing. It does what scripture says it does. It builds us up. It reduces stress. People who do it are more mentally stable and more emotionally stable than people who do not. And it's not them doing it. It is a force, something other than them doing it through them. I I don't know about you, but I love it when science gives the Bible a good amen, right? Now, if we can just get the church of Jesus Christ to do the same. I'm serious. And I say, let it, let it begin with our church. God wants to restore the dignity and value of this gift. I want to close with a prayer time. And for the sake of time, we'll, we'll do this briefly. Um, I, want to, I want to pray impartation over you to receive this gift. But um, I really felt led to start with repentance. Um, and what I mean by that is this gift has been so cursed and slandered by Jesus' people, by Christians. And so I feel like we need to repent. I want to repent corporately for the church in this region, the church in our modern era, for, for how churches and Christians have slandered this gift of the Holy Spirit. And then I'll lead a time where if you have ever participated in that, um, I'll just be honest with you, you need to repent. Whether you receive this gift or not or ever want this gift or not, slandering Jesus, slandering the Holy Spirit, 
who is Jesus, slandering gifts that Jesus gives to his church, that is serious stuff. That will quench the spirit in your life and in your church family. And so we need to repent of this. And um, I'll just start with kind of a corporate repentance prayer, and then I'll lead you in, in a repentance prayer. And then after that, I'll just pray impartation just for God to fill you, give this gift to the people that want it. And if our ministry team wants to come on up and get ready to just minister to people, come on up and line up. And as we dismiss, if you want a prayer to receive this gift or, or prayer for anything else, you can receive that as well. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. The most precious gift you've given us this side of eternity. A sign, a seal, a deposit of our salvation even. Bears witness to our spirit. By this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. We receive power and gifts to be witnesses. Thank you, Jesus. And God, it's heavy on my heart and I know it's heavy on your heart how your people have slandered this gift, how church leaders have slandered this gift down through the ages, even up to to modern day in our area, in our region. And so God, I just want to repent here and now for the way your people have slandered this gift, for the way your people have abused this gift at times. But man, I think the slander is much more prevalent. And so we repent of these things, God. And we ask you for forgiveness, God, right now. I pray that you would give us understanding and wisdom in how to use this very precious gift in our own lives and in your church, Jesus. And so now I just want to lead you in a time of just repentance. If you've ever partnered with that, I'm going to have you repeat after me. And we'll just say a prayer together, just repenting and renouncing any word curses we've spoken against this gift of the Spirit. Now, this could look like saying things like, well, that's just not for today. Well, that's just not of God. Man, it could look like saying, well, I think that's of the devil. It could look like saying, well, I don't want that gift. It could look like saying, well, that's weird. And people who do it are weird in a condescending way. And if it's in a condescending way with a condescending attitude then that's a curse. That's a word curse. And so if you've ever said anything like that, believed anything like that, I just want to lead you to repent and and renounce those curses uh, to just bring back a sense of honor to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, and all of his gifts today. And so if if that's you, and, and, and if you want to do this for a corporate thing as well, just repeat after me. Just say, Father God, I repent right now forever speaking against this gift. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any negative word curses I've ever spoken against this gift. Such as when I said, and you can fill in the blank, it's not for today, it's not of God, it's of the devil, I don't want that gift, it's weird, people do it weird, any other negative things you've said about it. And just say, God, please forgive me. I nail this to the cross. I make these curses null and void. If any church leaders have ever said these curses over me growing up or in other churches I've been in, God, I break those curses. I make them null and void by the blood of Jesus. I renounce these things. I do not want to see this gift in a condescending way. God, I want whatever you want to give me today. Thank you for the spiritual gifts you have given me. 
and I want all that you have for me, whether it's this gift or something else. In Jesus' name. And now let me just pray for you. If you want to receive this gift, just put your hands out and just receive it today. God, I just ask for these people, the people who've never done this or who have wanted this gift, I just pray that you would pour it out today. That you pour out the gift of tongues today, God, on your church. I pray that you would restore honor today to this beautiful gift of the Spirit. I pray as people begin to do it, they would just be in awe of how beautiful this gift is. Um, of your, your, your spirit. It's really like a sign of your spirit living in us. It is a manifestation of that. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It's one of the most precious gifts, God, because all other gifts, you know, there's, there can be this doubt like, well, maybe that was a prophetic word. Maybe that was God. I think maybe that dream or vision was from God. I think maybe this sermon or this teaching was from God. I'm not quite sure, you know. But man, when you pray in tongues, there's no doubt. It's like, this is God moving through me. Wow. And so, God, we just thank you for that today. Just pour out that, that gift on our, on our church. And, God, I just intercede for our church today. Yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I'm pouring out my love into this body. I'm pouring out my faith into this body. So let the love level rise. Let the faith level rise. I'm restoring honor in this body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Move among us in power, God. We want all of you. We want all of you. God, we honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor your presence. So do what you want to do in this place and in our lives. And all who are in agreement, in Jesus' name said, amen.